Welcome to Harvest Valley Worship Center's Sermon of the Week. You can discover more about our church, pastors, and special guests at hvwc.com. We hope that you are blessed by today's message. I would looked at the one that had the, the words on it, and I watched this one. I'm like, no, this is the one. He's like, this is the one you need to play. He's welcoming us into his world. All you got to do is say yes. And he's not just welcoming us inside the door. He's welcoming us to the whole him, everything he is, every part of him. This song was wrote by Jim Reeves, and it actually made it to number two on the country charts back in 1964. So even though it had that in there, and you could actually tell, because he sang, he sang a lot of, had Christian verses in with a lot of the songs that he sang. And, you know, it seems like all those guys that do that kind of stuff end up dying young. He died in his early 30s in a plane crash right after this was, a little bit after this was put out. Um, he was a firm believer in God, and he had an unalterable faith that God would forgive him his sins and lead him in the right direction. To have somebody putting music out like that in the mainstream is amazing. And this song is still alive now. I mean, I heard it on a, on a, when God gave it to me a few months back. I'm just listening to a, the TV and this song comes on and I start to sing it. And I'm like, whoa, wow. And so I Googled him, of course, and brought it up. And I'm like, oh, I get it. I said, but when am I going to use that? God goes, just wait, you'll get a chance. He, Jim Reeves, not only sang it, but every one of the Rat Pack did a version of that song. So, I mean, Dean Martin did it. Frank Sinatra did it. Um, I don't know if Sammy did. I know those two did, and I know that Bing Crosby did it too. So it was out there, and it was being used all the time. And it's still being used. Like I said, I saw it on a, from a, something that was advertised or on a movie just recently. And we, I was talking this morning, and when you hear these back then, I mean, I probably sang that song, watching stuff with my parents over the years, and all the other songs that I bring up, but at that time, I didn't see it the way I do now, because I don't, I don't, I don't think now the way I did. He's inside of me, so it opens up your heart to see things that you don't ever, haven't noticed, when you're, when you're out doing things, it, and it's what we need to do. We need to open up more, be able to hear what he's saying. As the words say, God is, is welcoming us into his world. His world, not just a little piece, not just a corner. We will never totally know all of who God is but I want to know as much of him as I can. Amen. I want to go in and know every part that, he's, that I can get until I go up to be with him and learn even more. In the song, it is the um, first Matthew 7, 7. And in, it says, this is the Passion Translation. It says, Ask and the gift is yours. Seek 
and you'll discover. Knock and the door will be open to you. The thing is with that verse is, if you study it, and I have because it's one of my favorite ones, is it's not a one-time thing. You don't just seek once, you don't just ask once, you don't just knock once. You keep asking, you keep seeking, and you keep knocking. Pound a hole in the door. I mean, I literally used to, when there was times when I was struggling, I would take this verse and I would read it and I would ask a question and then I would literally go to my door of my house and I would knock on it and say, God, I want in. I want everything you have. I want to know what's more, what there is. I want to be with you. And as you know, if you activate things in the natural, it activates things in the spiritual so that you can get in. It takes determination. I was going to say it takes uh, discipline. But I looked at the, the definition of discipline and it says to, to uh, follow rules and codes and that how can be exactly how that said to follow rules and codes and, and if you don't you can be punished or punished I'm like he's not going to punish you so I'm thinking discipline isn't really I'm, I'm thinking determination fits it a little more and determination is with firmness of purpose and resolution you've got a purpose you want to see him you want to know everything about him and you have resolution that you want to be there with him Continually. I mean, really, he's inviting you in. All in. And that's why I like that song that John would just point out. That's, I love that. That was part of it. I mean, he saved our life and he's invited us. He's prayed. I mean, he's right there. He's saying, come on in. Doors open. My arms are like this. I'm saying, come to me with everything you are and everything. And he doesn't care. One of the things that was said... Um, by Mark Jones, Dr. Mark Jones. He was a, actually a doctor in dentistry, but he, he preached this last weekend when we were in, down at the Jesus Encounter on Sunday. But one of the things he said is, we cannot disappoint God enough for him to leave us. You can come exactly as you are, and he's going to accept you. And then as you get in there further, you start to change yourself because he's inside of you. I mean, if you're in the Word all the time and you're in there searching and seeking, it's going to have an effect. A big effect. We can't allow ourselves to be lulled into believing our faith is merely one part of our lives. This is one that was, I picked, I can't remember who wrote it, but I thought it made a lot, it was good. It says, instead, our identity and source for living in Jesus Christ, our, liberty, or yeah, sorry, our identity and source for living is Jesus Christ. And we will forever be defined by what has happened between God and us. Yeah. You know, you can make it millions of dollars. You may be remembered for a little while, but if you touch a million lives and bring him to God, that would be awesome. Finish reading that. We are all in because you cannot 
as a Christian, be anything other than all in. I know some people struggle with that. What's all in? What's all in? It means you're laying down your life for him. You're turning over to what he has. I remember who was it, John or one of them, somebody said, or maybe it was Lisa when she was up here. That he, he has everything for us. He can provide everything we need to survive. Does that mean we just sit on our butt and do nothing? No, that's not how it works. But he's given us the openings to be able to survive and to flourish in who he is. I mean, just think about the things that can happen. I mean, when I moved here, I didn't know what was going to happen, what I was going to have for a job, what I was going to do. You know, I was coming over here because I was marrying my beautiful wife. And she just had Oscar Boss. So by the time I got here, I had a job. And then after that job was destroying my body and I, my neck was hurting so much and everything, I took off from that and then John asked if, if I could help him do construction. I tried to act dumb like I didn't know how to do it, but <laughs> it, it didn't work. But it's been a blessing to be able to do that. And at this point right now, the work is plentiful and the money's good. So it gives us the opportunity, Mike and I, the opportunity to do some traveling, to be able to go to these, these things. And it's like I said the last time when I was talking in this last weekend over there is, don't be ashamed to chase God and bring it back. And that's what I'm trying to do is bring back everything that we get and share it with you because we've had the opportunity to go see it. Not everybody has that opportunity. So if you can make a trip somewhere and get something, do it. And then bring it back and share it with us so we can see what it is. You know, it's like he's talking about welcoming. It, it, the door is opening. I mean, it's like a big mansion that he's opening the doors and letting you in. But there's some of us that want to pitch a tent on the front lawn. <laughs> or we open the doors and we go in the foyer and go, wow, I'll just stay here. This is, oh, this is awesome. Every room is another gift and another part of him. Search the whole thing out. Check it out. Get in there and look at it. And ask him what each one of those things is. Say, I want more. Okay, that's the, the start there, but I'm going to change here for just a second. Last weekend, we went to the Jesus encounter in uh, Prosser, Washington, and it was amazing. I don't think any of us came back without being touched. And it was awesome to be where, where like I said, I told you to pray for me with the women, but it was amazing. They were awesome, and, and I think we touched them as much as they touched us. I, I had text... Uh, Sheila Stutzman is now, she used to be Rod and she the, the, did the church and Rod died two years ago. So she took it over and she's now the pastor of the church. And I text her, I said, you know, you sure it's okay if I share stuff? That, and she goes, why are you even asking? And I said, I just wanted to make sure. And she goes, no, if you need stuff, I'll send it to you. And I said, no, I said, I think I've got, I'm just going to touch on some stuff. I just want to make sure it was okay. And she goes, 
She goes, yeah. She goes, no, it's awesome. You know, whatever you need, I can send you this. I said, no, I'm good. I said, but I just wanted to thank you for being who you are and what you're doing. And her response is, we love all of you guys. Thank you for coming over. When you can have something like that and, and not only be touched, but touch others in the process is amazing. I think all of us, did you get up, Lisa? Oh, let's see, everybody but Lisa got up and gave a testimony. I know she was touched, but she didn't get up in front. And I wasn't going to, but she says right at the beginning, I'm not going to call anybody out. And then she calls the second group, oh, uh, and Kevin could come up. I'm like, what? Yeah. So it was good. And the other thing that was there that was really awesome to see is her son, Caleb, who's 20, I don't know, he must be early 20s. I don't remember what it is. He's going to uh, Portland Bible College. And that is a really unique college that they only, I mean, there's a limited amount of students that are even let into it. And I mean, it's like a 17 to 1 ratio between professors and students. So they're there to learn. It's, it's intense. But in the, he brought eight students with him to do that Jesus encounter from there. Now these are kids that are young men and one I think there's one lady that came to young lady that are in the midst of doing this and being trained to do this. That's why they're there. And they were in awe at what happened and how they were touched at their age and stuff that was brought up and, and changed for them. And it was also awesome to see that next generation being that interested in God and wanting to be there. I went and told them that. I shook their hand and said, you know, thank you for coming. And the one guy turns and he goes, we just look at you guys and we're inspired. I said, wow. I said, well, I do the same thing with you. So we'll just keep being inspired together. They actually, this next weekend, the Portland Bible College is coming to there, to Prosser, and they're bringing, Caleb is bringing back all of this, a bunch of the students that are in the worship arts and the, the students are going to lead the whole worship ceremony or worship before it. And then one of the students is going to speak and take the whole, they're going to take the whole service next weekend. I said, man, I don't know. I'm still trying to figure out how to get there. But I just think it's awesome that they're doing that and that they're, they're putting it all together and that he, they're that alive and that on fire to see what God is. I know it seems like the only time I'm here is when I'm preaching. That's kind of the way it's been lately. I love this place. I love the openness. I love the ability to do what we're doing. And I love the fire that we're starting to see in this place. And it's like my last one was move because I want to keep moving. I want to keep seeing the healings. I want to keep seeing every part of what's happening here. And I want it to just grow. And we've already know that it's uh, for healing and then sending out. So people are going to be rotating and changing, but I just want to see more people coming in and more going out so we can touch so many lives around this world. I mean, we're already touching a lot of places through what we do. 
I just want to see more. Um, the second thing that I want, or the next thing I want to touch is, uh, you know, we, we need to be all in his world. And one of the ways to do that is with faith. We have to have faith. And there's two stories out of the Bible that I want to touch on. One is the centurion and his faith. It says in, uh, he'd come to, to Jesus and said, you know, can you heal my servant? And Jesus says, do I need to go there? And his answer is, I don't deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell one to go and he goes. I tell one to come and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. Jesus' answer to that was, truly I tell you, I have not found another, found anyone in Israel with such great faith. It's in the word. In this verse and in this story about the centurion, it's the releasing of the word. The word is powerful. When you have the authority to be able to put out the word that God has given us, it does way more than we can do. It heals. It brings people in. It does everything. In that other song, that song it says, uh, what did it say? It said, oh, bring in heaven to earth. How the, the sound of heaven to earth. We are the sound of heaven on earth. We are that sound. If we don't speak up, we're not that sound. We need to put it out there. That brings heaven to earth. I mean, to have a, the centurion say that, that, that it's, you know, it's, he had faith to say, it's, you know, you don't have to even be there. You just say that it's healed. You are the authority over everything. Just say it and it's done. And we should have that same faith and that same authority. We do have it. We just need to exercise it and use it. In Romans ten seventeen, it says, So then faith comes from by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So once again, being in the word helps our faith. Everything that happened in there can happen again. Well, I don't know if Jesus is going to the cross again, but all the miracles and the things that you read about are just as alive today as they were then. We've witnessed. Matter of fact, I'm proclaiming, like I said, told you, Chad, the metal will be gone when you go to the doctor this week to get it checked. The metal will have dissolved and they won't know where it went. In Jesus' name. It will be completely gone. They won't understand where that went. And the pain will be completely gone in Jesus' name. Because I have total faith that God can do that. Amen. 
In Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We have to have that great faith without seeing, but knowing. We're praying for a miracle that we haven't seen yet. We're praying for people to be saved. We haven't, but we have to put that word out before it happens. We have to have the faith that that can happen before we even say it. Before it can even come anywhere or do anything, we need to put it out there. Now, there's times, which are amazing, when you put it out there not, believe, or not knowing what's going to happen. But you're doing it because you know you should. And then he reacts and it happens, which just builds your faith. Just builds your faith. And he's good at building faith if you give him a chance to do it. He wants to He wants to be with us. He wants us. I mean, how I don't know if I can touch that enough that he's welcoming us in with open arms saying, "Come on in. We need you here. We want you." It's just like in Mark 11:23 it says, "For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those, that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask for when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. I believe that everybody in this room can be healed of anything that's with them right now, completely healed of anything that is ailing them, any, that to physically, mentally, spiritually, anything, because I know God can do that. And I know he wants to do that. Sometimes we're our own worst enemy and we block the things that he wants us to do or what he wants to do. That's why it's good to be able in that fellowship that can pray for each other and touch each other, keep each other accountable, keep each other going forward, be there for each other. You never know what the power of a word to somebody or even just a hug My wife is so good at seeing when people need that because she's, with doing the inner healing and everything, she can see when people are just need an embrace. And one of the ladies there, she came and told me, she said, she goes, you need, to, I, I, you need to go hug this lady. You just need to go hug her. And I said, but babe, it says right in the, I mean, they have the, all these rules when you go there. I said, it says right in the thing that we're not supposed to be doing any ministering or doing anything so then she goes and she comes back. She goes, I went and checked with Sheila. She said, you guys can do any ministry you want. I went, okay. So I went over and I gave the lady a hug and she just started sobbing. Just absolutely sobbing. She'd been in an abusive marriage. She didn't trust men anymore. And she just needed a hug from somebody who was safe.
that was a man. And she was sobbing and something. I just kept holding her tight. I wouldn't let her go and I just kept holding. And then finally, I mean, I don't know how long it was, probably only seconds, but it seemed like a long time. She I could just feel her just release. And she went rest. And I said, that's what you needed. And she said, yes, more than anything. I needed to feel that. And then she was, and she came and thanked me, I don't know how many times before she left for that hug, that father hug, and to know that he loves her. And then we're also, because she said it was okay, I went and talked to a, a young, well, she was probably, she was in their youth group. I'm thinking she was probably late teens, maybe even early 20s. She was taking the class too. She was from that, that church there. And she had, uh, was it Jesus? <laughs> oh. Um, she uh, had just gone through, her, her dad had died like the year before, and she was with her, her mom and stepsisters, think they were taking and, and so I mean life had been really I mean it, with her dad there it was all kind of together and then it it wasn't when he died because it was so much conflict between the the steps and the older and the you know back and forth and she was just trying to explain it I could see just the hurt in her eyes but I also saw when we were doing stuff when she smiled her eyes lit up she had an amazing smile and her eyes lit up and she just was like a different person. So God was saying, you need to go tell her that. So I did that. I stopped long enough and I went over and I found her and I said, you have a joy in you that God's put there. You smile and people smile. They see the joy in you. That you have a joy that you can spread. And then she started crying. I'm like, you guys can't do this. Because then I start crying. But she was the same way. She needed to hear that word. So don't ever think that a little word you're going to give to somebody isn't something that's going to change their life. A word of encouragement, a prophetic word, anything to get them through what they're going through. Because you have no idea what there is on the other side. You don't know what's happened in their life. You don't know where they're at. And if he's just nudging you to give them a hug or to give them a word, do it. Do it. here. Kind of went off there a little bit. I was talking about that Mark Jones. <laughs> he was full of energy. He'd been a, uh, he was a, a dentist. He was a doctor, a dentist for 36 years. And uh, once he got done with the dentistry, then he, he moved on to being the piece of prayer minister at the church he's at and he actually teaches at the Portland Bible College and uh, he was he, after it, two different times they give it, had him, all the people from there go around and give us prophetic words and he comes up to me and we're talking about it and he, he was give, gave me a word and then he, he said uh, he, he was talking he was actually telling me that I was going to be I said I see you working with your hands Building stuff, making stuff plumb, putting foundations in. 
and and you know making things right, making things sort of secure. You you I could see you overbuilding things, making more you know putting in a bigger foundation than's needed. And Paul always gets on me because I want to do more than what's. But anyway, I got to the end and he said all that, and I got to the end and he I said, well, I do do carpentry and construction. He goes, hmm. That's interesting. I said, well, I do it in the, in, the, in the earthly realm right now. I said, I'd love to be able to do that same kind of building in the spiritual realm with people's lives. And he turned to me and he said, that's what time you're in right now. It's going to change. So then we started talking after he'd given me that, and he said that he had a really hard time being able to do both, to be able to be the dentist and have to work all that time and be able to do the ministry that he wanted to do and how he could put it together. And he said it, it, after he retired, then he could put everything into the ministry. And he said it just opened up. I mean, he, he jokes. I mean, this guy is, is, is on fire, excited. He's running down and going playing. His hands are going. He's running back. And I'm thinking, holy cow. He's going to... He was... They have a... Uh, probably their altar is probably about five or six steps up and the podium is up there, but he was never up there. He was down in front and right in people's face and running back and forth. And he had a lot of energy and I could, it was amazing. It was, you could just draw off the energy that he was giving out. But one of the things that he mentioned was, he said that his wife had said that he was an angry old man or most, oh, that's right, most unhappy person she'd ever met. I'm thinking, I'm not quite sure I want my wife to tell me that, but, but it changed after he was able to put all the time in with God. Completely changed him. So that he wasn't that way anymore. He was listening to God then and putting his time into that. And maybe it was the work that was, I mean, who knows? I'm sure you deal with a lot. I don't know if I could stick my hands in people's mouths all day long anyway, but The other thing, that I'll just finish up that one with, uh, I think I already said it, but the centurion knew that Jesus was the authority over everything. And that when he called something out, it was going to happen. It was going to happen now. The other one that I want to touch on is one that he touched on. Um, was the woman with the issue of blood. And he says, you know, he goes, I can't tell you exactly how it went or when everything, but he goes, I just keep thinking about it. And I, I read into it some more and read some stuff that people have done on it and, and sermons that have been done on it. And, and he said, he goes, I have to imagine. I mean, she'd been bleeding for 12 years. She'd been to doctors, she'd been to everywhere, and they couldn't figure it out. They couldn't do anything for it. I can't, I can't imagine that. And so he goes, she must have woke up that morning and said, you know what? I've heard about this guy. I'm going to go touch him. I'm going to go see him. I'm going to get to him. I want to be healed. We need to have that kind of faith. He's, he's talking about it and he goes, you know, he goes, I can only imagine. But that she's in this crowd, Jesus is in the middle, people are all around him. He goes, I have to imagine she was kind of rude. 
pushing people out of the way. I'm going to get to him. I'm going to touch him. Because I know that if I touch him, I can be healed. He goes, you know what? We don't know for sure about that. He goes, but he goes, I really totally have to say, you know, she was probably like a bulldog trying to get through there. I want to touch Jesus because I know he can heal me. And then he's laughing, talking about it. He goes, and then after he touches him, Jesus, you know, if you've read it, Jesus then says, who touched me? And he said, he goes, I can only imagine the disciples saying, what do you mean who touched you? You're walking through a crowd of people. You're bumping into everybody all the way where you go. What do you mean who touched you? And he goes, imagine they're probably kind of chuckling about like, what do you mean who touched you? And then he said, he goes, who, who touched me? Because he could feel the healing leave his body when she touched him. Because she had the faith that when she touched him, it was going to happen. And imagine she was probably a little desperate too. I've had this affliction for 12 years. Nobody can fix it. Nobody can help me. Who can help me? Jesus can help me. So if you've had things that have been afflicting you for years and years and years, who can help you? Jesus can help you. You know, there's things, we went, we went to this Jesus encounter. All of us have, I think everybody that went, has been through inner healing or healing and touched a lot of stuff and been healed from a lot of stuff. I know Micah's been through, I don't know how many times, and then she went through the Elijah house twice and she did the, so she's done a lot of healing. And they give you this questionnaire that was like, I don't know, 16 pages long or something that you have to check on what you need healing from. And we're going through it, and I'm, I'm thinking, babe, you know, anything that I check, I think we've, we've already, you know, we've touched on most of this. And she goes, yeah, she goes, I've just been putting, you know, I've already dealt with this or thing, you know, other thing. And, and you'd really be surprised how, mu how much the next layer of stuff that needs to be healed shows up. Yeah. Matter of fact, you didn't even have to check it on the form because... God knew that he needed to touch you in that area. And so my kids, there's stuff that she's been, things that she'd gone all the way through her past and had been healed from. But there's things that were just now, that were recent, that she hadn't been. So she was able to do that too. And vows that we've made in the past, vows that have been made over us. I mean, they did a good job on touching everything. And open it up so that you can see who he is and what he can do. And they're really open. And, and they want to, I don't know if we're, I hope they come up. We talked about having them come up and do one up here. And I hope if they do, everybody comes to it. Because it's amazing. They were really excited when we were talking about it. I mean, this is, they've been doing, I don't know how many years, 15 years? Well, it was 15, wasn't it? It was the 15th year. And this time there was 28 of us. That's the biggest amount of people they've ever had do it. They had to call in people from other churches to help do part of the, the prayer ministry part because they didn't have enough people. And it was amazing. I know I've said that a few times. but 
It was amazing. Okay, moving on here. In 1 Corinthians 12.31, Paul encourages Christians to eagerly desire the greater gifts. We should each pray and ask God to give us spiritual gifts so that we can use them for the greater. I know Chris kind of touched on this a couple weeks ago about baptism in the Holy Spirit, and I think he handed out a sheet that, you know, I think it's still right there, actually, that, you know, um, verses that show that it, you know, that it's real and everything that you can do in there. Um, they did do, a, on Sunday afternoon, they did a uh, baptism in the Holy Spirit for anybody that, that didn't have their prayer language or wanted to get it, and just to be, you know, the gifts, and, and Sheila got up and, and told the story, and I, I asked if I could share this, because her and Rod, I don't know what denomination Rod went through when he got became a pastor, but in that denomination, they believed that the gifts were from the past, and that's where they were. They weren't available now. So she tells the story about after they've, you know, decided that maybe they should look into this and things because so many things have been happening that they need to they need to do it. And she goes, she goes, we were scared, we were afraid. We didn't want to get baptized. We didn't want to ask for the Holy Spirit to come in. We didn't know what would happen. Right. We physically were, were afraid of what could happen to us. She said they were laying in bed one night talking about it, and they were talking about doing it. And uh, I don't know if she said it or Rod said it. It was like, uh, you do it first, and I'll watch and see what happens. <laughs> I want to know what's going to happen. I mean, they almost, I mean, they thought like they would start manifesting or something. I mean, they, they literally were afraid to ask for that because they'd been taught that it wasn't for now. And she even said, she goes, you know, we talk about tongues and we talk about stuff. And she goes, I remember when I got, she, when she got her prayer language, she goes, it was just like a couple syllables to start out with. And it was the same one I did. And then you eventually, it moves on and you get a couple more syllables. And it sounds like gibberish for the most part, I'll be honest. But then Will Ogenen was another, he's a pastor that's there too. He came up and he, he said, I want to explain it kind of to you. He goes, in a way that you can understand this. He says, he says, remember the old Batman TV series? He says, Batman had a phone in the Batcave. Actually, I think it was a red phone if I remember right. And that phone was a direct line to the commissioner. That was the only thing it was used for, was to go from the bat cave to the commissioner's office. He goes, that's what tongues is. From you to God. A direct line. And he knows what you're saying. And he knows what you're praying for. And he knows what you need. And he's on the other end, listening to what you do and when you do it. I see a big smile from this guy right here that now has his prayer language and can't stop using it, huh, John? I just look forward to a point when we have words released like that and we have interpretations in here too. 
I've been in the church that I was in before this one. The, the one of the the older ladies was could interpret the tongues, and it was just amazing what would come through that. Anyway, what? Get off that. We need to want the gifts. We need to want every kind of them. And like we were praying this morning, I said, I hope God can highlight to everybody what their gift is. I mean, we can get them, but we're, he's usually giving you one that you're more able to use than others. That you're more, uh, I don't know how to say it, that your just ability in it is, is higher. That you can use it at ease whenever you want. But it's still one of those things that it always comes back to that thing where you have to practice it. You have to do it. If you want to get good at it, you need to use the gift he gives you. It's just like any sport. I mean, I've known some really good natural athletes that can get by on their athleticism, that can do things, but if they'd actually applied themselves with the, with the athleticism that they had, they'd have been so much better. He's not telling us to rely on what we have, what we are. He's telling them to rely on what he's put in us. That he's filled us already and he's given us the gift. Now he just wants us to use it. And I can honestly tell you when, when uh, I was told, I think I've told this before too, but when, when someone first came up to me when I, I first went to the First Pentecostal Church that I was going to be prophetic, and I'm like, what does that mean? What are you talking about? I can be pathetic all the time, but prophetic? What is that? And he said, no. He goes, you're being called to do that. And I kind of, you know, he goes, he'd line us up in front of the thing. He said, okay, stand up there, give people words. And you're like, what? And you'd close your eyes like you're going to, he goes, no, you got to have your eyes open because if you can't see him, you can't get a word for him. Okay, let me do that. But as you start to do it and as you grow, he'll just point people out to you. I mean, I, I didn't release a lot of words this last weekend, but I did about three or four people that I knew he was specifically saying, hey, you need to go tell him this. Because I'm, I'm to the point where I'll release it and give it to him. The other one that, he, that I did give that I'll tell just quickly is there was a guy that uh, I think he spoke, I think it was the second one that spoke. He was a Mexican. You remember it wasn't Israel? Ishmael. He got up there. And this guy tells a story of uh, his family life that was, I mean, his, his parents and, and mom and dad, they didn't hug him. They didn't really, I mean, there was no connection, no love really. And he, he had came, he hasn't been going there for very long. He'd come to They'd found him when they started. It was back when, he has been there a few years because it was when Rod, and he said that he first came to one of their nights for prayer or something, or they even found him, went out and one of their outreaches. But he, he, he was then in one of the Bible studies. 
And he said, literally, that Rod, the pastor, would call him every time he missed. Where are you at? What are you doing? How are you doing? And then it got to where if he'd miss, he'd show up at his house. What are you doing? Where are you at? How are things going? He said that one time he came, he goes, I, I feel so embarrassed because of this knock on the door and I hadn't gone to the thing and I look up and I can see it's him and I, I run into my kitchen to do my dishes. Because I, I think I need to have the dishes done before he can come in. And Rod just came in and said, just wanted to know how he was doing, wanted to make sure he was okay, wanted to touch him. So he's going through this and he's talking about how he'd never hugged his dad had never got a hug or given a hug to his dad. And I mean, this guy's breaking up through this whole thing. He's trying to tell this. and I mean, it's the first time he's ever spoken in front of people too. And he's doing part of this encounter and he's telling us all about this. And he's just, he's a mess, which I think is amazing. Because then I know it's coming from his heart. He's putting it all out there. And he gets down to the end and he says that he's, he's able now to hug his brothers and his, his uh, wife that he's married to and his kids. He said that his dad will still turn his shoulder to him when he goes to give him a hug. He says, but you know what? Because I'm not going to stop trying. I'm going to hug him. So when they were doing the prophetic words on Friday night, he comes up to me, and a lot of them will come up, and they'll ask, very polite, very amazing the way they, they do their prophetic. They come up, they first ask if they can even pray for you, then they ask if they can put a hand on you, and then they usually, most of them will pray in tongues for a little bit, and then they'll, if they get something, they'll give it to you, or if they don't, they'll just pray for you. Well, he comes and asks, I said, yeah, yeah, you can pray for me. And he puts his hand on me, and he's kind of, He's not getting anything. He's praying in tongues and being kind of quiet and, and everything, and he can't do anything. And pretty soon he, he stops and goes, okay, and gives me a pat on the back, and he's going to walk away. And I said, you came to me not because you were going to give me a word. He said, I said, I need to give you one. I said, don't stop hugging people. Don't stop giving your testimony. Your testimony is powerful everything that you've been through and everything you do and you standing up there telling people how you've been touched is powerful. Keep doing it. And don't ever give up on hugging your dad. And I stood up and I gave him a big hug. And then he lost it. And I'm like, man, you just need to keep going. And I swear he, he said thank you I don't know how many times the rest of the weekend. You don't know what you can do with a few simple words into somebody's life and letting them know that God loves them, that the Father is there, and there's nothing they can do to change that. Nothing. Oh. Where are we at here? Direct line of that. We have access... Um, I really think if they do come, it'd be amazing for people to go, but I think it's just amazing that we have another connection. And I think the more churches that we can connect and bring people together, the better off we are. 
They're an amazing group of people. Matter of fact, if you ever get a chance, if you're over that way, go in and check it out. It's Remnant House in Prosser, Washington. And it is, it, as far as I'm concerned, it's, it's amazing. Their building is a, uh, this, I, yeah, I got to tell you a little bit about the building. I can't not, just to show you what kind of God we have. It was an old nursing home and it sat there empty for years. They had a guy that would, they were still doing maintenance on it and still keeping the building taken care of, but nobody was in it. And they were gonna, trying to figure out how to buy it. The guy that did my, my prayer ministry with me was an elder and he, he was telling me the story about it. And they tried to do, thinking about trying to buy it. And then all of a sudden, they were praying about it. This guy took the, the thing back to Rod, told him about the building, and he'd heard about it, and they were looking at it. Because this, this guy, Tom, and his wife would go down there and pray in the parking lot for that building every week. And he said it was cold one night. And he says, I'm, I'm sitting in it because I didn't even get out of the truck. I'll be honest, I didn't even get out of the truck. She gets out there and all of a sudden she's praying. And all of a sudden she's hopping up and down and dancing everywhere. And I'm just going, go for it. Yeah, she's doing it. And she said, I really think we're going to get this building. Well, it wasn't too long after that, the, the people that had the building, it was a big company out of, out of New York or somewhere that owned, they'd owned a couple different ones of them. They decided that they were never going to open it again. They were just going to give it to somebody. So... They found out about it. They told Rod. So, the, so the, to get it, to be in running, to do it, you had to fill out a, a big you know, thing saying why you'd need it, what you'd use it for, you know, thing, thing, giving them a thing, telling them what you would use the building for. So Rod put that all together, submitted it to them, and they got it. The building for nothing. And he goes, it was so funny because you know, usually they'll do things like that. It's like for a dollar or for a penny or whatever. He goes, they just gave it to us. And he goes, the lawyers had no idea how to draw the paperwork out because they'd never seen something that was just that expensive just given to somebody. He goes, so it took him forever to finally figure it out. We got the paperwork, got it done. So this guy was staying there in the, one of the little houses behind there, taking care of it till they got stuff done and figured out. And they'd, they went through and fixed the roof and had done stuff on the ceiling and got everything because there'd been some leaks in the roof. They got it all done and it catches fire. The front part of it catches on fire. And he goes, I'm in there trying to go in there and dig out the ceiling and look and see where it's at and what's going on. And they're chasing the fire guys. They're chasing because you can't be in here. You've got to get out of here. You can't, you're not going to put this fire out. Get out of here. So they end up having an electrical fire in the ceiling that destroys like the front area. And Sheila's like, God just gave us this building. Why, why would he let this happen? Well, it was insured. They got $800,000 and were able to completely take the cafeteria part and turn it into the sanctuary, raise the ceiling about 20 feet, and completely build the sanctuary without having to have any money. And that's not it. The parsonage is right there. That was, it was uh, three. It was a one-bedroom, a two-bedroom. Well, they call it the parsonage now. I think it was probably help that was helping at the nursing home to begin with. A one-bedroom, two-bedroom, and a three-bedroom house that was right there and he goes we're over there and I'm checking on things and oh all of a sudden I can see water coming out the door I'm like that can't be good 
So he runs in there and he goes, I'm in it. He goes, I'm sloshing through this water about ankle deep. And then I'm thinking, there's still power on in here. So he runs over really quick and takes his arm and I said, I shut off all the breakers. He goes, there's no reason I should have ever been able to even go in there. I should have been electrocuted. Anyway, so he shuts it off. They look at the, that was one of the pipes, the copper pipes had broke. No, it hadn't broke. It had failed. It had come apart at a connection. Because the insurance guy said, if, if that was a pipe that broke because it froze, we won't cover it. Because that was your responsibility to keep the building heated. Well, as it was, it was one of the elbows that had just come unsoldered and slid enough to fill the thing with water. So they got $300,000 to rebuild that and turn it into one big house that Rod and Sheeta could live in because they have seven kids. Tell me we don't have an amazing God. Something that's supposed to be terrible and destroy things ends up for good for them to put that all together and to have an amazing place that they do. They have one more wing that they haven't done anything with and they actually are talking about making it two levels. The rooms are still the rooms are still, nursing home rooms are still in the bottom part and they'd like to put a second floor on it and use it for when people come over for these encounters for people to stay there. So, but I goes, but he's talking to one of the others, he goes, but I, you know, I, it's, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars. I'm thinking, look at what he's already done. What's a couple hundred thousand dollars? So it was amazing to just visit with them and see the things that have happened in that place. You know, I, I don't believe in formulas because I believe the formula works for the person who's writing the formula. The person wrote the formula because it worked for them. But I do believe that some formulas can be guides to get us to where we need or, or show us what we can get to. So that, I'll just read this quick. There's four things that I, I think you can, you can use this to most of you probably already do it to uh, get the Holy Spirit and the gifts. One is to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Two is to develop a personal and intimate relationship with God. It means you've got to spend time with Him. Spend time in His Word, spend time with Him, let Him wrap you up in those arms that He's got. Be hungry for the gifts. Be hungry for the ones that are out there that he draws you to. Be hungry for the gifts that are there. And four, take action in faith. I mean, take action in faith. Go ahead, go forward. Okay, there's a few points here I really want to get across as I kind of rambled through that, but what I really want you to take away from this is to seek the Holy Spirit gifts. Really seek the Holy Spirit's gifts. Two, have great faith like the centurion and the woman with the blood issue. Let your faith just keep getting stronger and just keep stepping out in faith because as you do, then your faith grows. And keeps getting more. And three, 
come into all of his world. Open every door, open every closet. Check that place out. See if there's a crawl space that nobody else has been in and get in there. Go deeper. That was one of the things with the words that I got. I don't know how many of the. I think I have a, a sign above me that says he needs help. Because I always seem to get way more prophetic words than anybody does. But most of the, most of the ones were all saying refreshing, a new refreshing, and going deeper. I'm like, yes, I want that. In Colossians 1, 16 and 17, it says, For in him was created the universe of things, both in the heavenly realm and on earth. All that is seen and all that is unseen, every seat of power, realm of government, principality, and authority, is all, it all exists through him and for his purpose. He existed before anything was made and now everything finds completion in him. If you want to be complete, go all in. So I'll just have you stand here quick. Say a quick prayer and then I'll have you do a little declaration, not a decree that I want to do. Father, I just thank you for this amazing body and I just thank you for touching them deeper than you've ever touched them before. Open their eyes to who you are completely. Welcome them in with open arms like you say and just love on them, Father, and show them who you are. What I'd like to do, I'll read this first and what I'd like to do is have everybody say it. It's, it's God, I'm taking your invitation. I'm coming all into your world. So we'll do the first part with God, I'm taking your invitation. So on the count of three, we'll go, ready? One, two, three. God, I'm taking your invitation. And the next one is, I'm coming all into your world. Ready? One, two, three. I'm coming all into your world. Now it's up to you guys to step in there and find every part of him that he has for you. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Harvest Valley Worship Center is called to be a refuge for healing and a launch pad for transformation. If this message impacted you today, please let us know in a comment, or you can email us at media at hvwc.com. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to connecting with you.